0: Welcome to a new episode of Inside Marketing Design. This is a show where we take an in-depth look at how marketing design functions within different tech companies. If we haven't met before, then hello, I'm Charlie. I am the marketing design lead at ConvertKit, and I did a whole episode about how marketing design functions at ConvertKit as the first episode in this series, so you can go back and watch or listen to that if you'd like. But here on today's show, we're taking a look inside marketing design at Proof Proof is a website personalization tool that helps their customers to improve the conversion rate on their websites. And a full disclaimer here, it's a tool that I have used in my role at ConvertKit. And today I got to talk to Brent Palmer, who is the head of design at Proof. Brent, as you'll hear in this episode, is actually the only designer at Proof. Uh, They're a small company of just 14 people at the moment, and he's been there for about a year now. Brent has spent half his career in the advertising, marketing, branding space, and then the other half working in product design. And so I guess that makes him the perfect fit to be in this role where he is uh, across both the product and marketing at Proof. So without further ado, let's get into the episode and hear from Brent about how marketing design works at Proof. Welcome, Brent, to Inside Marketing Design. Really excited to have you here and to be learning more about how marketing design works at Proof.
1: Thanks, Charlie. Happy to be here.
0: So you are like a little unique in terms of the other people that I'm talking to as part of the series and that you are not solely a marketing designer. In fact, I don't think maybe you wouldn't even describe yourself as that but you do handle the marketing design at Proof, so you are the person to talk to about this. This tell is us, accurate. Yeah, yes. tell us a little bit, bit about that about and about your role at Proof.
1: Yeah, sure. So I joined Proof um, in 2019 as the lead designer there. So, you know, we're a small company, 14 people, and so I'm just designing all the things. So, you know, my role stretches from, you know, t-shirts and koozies to everything on the roadmap to a rebrand and the marketing site. So Being the only one there, I kind of have to do it all.
0: And what would you say is the general split of your time between product and marketing?
1: I'd say generally kind of where we are right now as a company, like at this very moment, my time is kind of 70% product, 30% marketing. Right. Um, But that flipped, you know, earlier around January 2020, when we were launching Experiences, our core product, and going through a rebrand, that was backwards. So that was about 70% brand and marketing, if not 100% at times and uh, less on product
0: right so it just depends on what the company needs right in the state that the company is in how do you find that split doing both how's that been for you hand- handling both sides of things
1: so it's a lot about making hard choices and trying to identify what's important a lot of that has to do with picking and choosing the projects or identifying what i need to be working on and what my design intention versus what i may need to give a set of tools or a set of kind of guidelines and assets to other people to help kind of build on their own. So I kind of want to automate some of the boring stuff. Yep. We have Austin Distal is the head of marketing and he is pretty design savvy. So Great. he can kind of get by and do some things on his own. So part of my role is giving him things like style guide, design system, assets, writing style guide, and then he can go off and build things in Webflow and kind of get things done there
0: nice okay so you use workflow for the side we're going to talk about tools later but that's that's interesting to me cool um let's talk about the marketing team at proof and uh, like who who makes up the marketing team out of those 14 people how many work on marketing
1: <laughs> yeah so uh it's led by dave Rogemoser, our ceo founder uh austin distal he's head of marketing uh and i think newly coined director of personalization okay I think. and then we kind of have sales and marketing rolled up together so okay the account people uh also coordinate and work on the same team as marketing.
0: At ConvertKit, when we had sales and marketing combined, we sort of called it a growth team. Um, would you say they operate as that, like have, have team meetings together with the sales and marketing as part of it or working on similar projects or do they work kind of separately?
1: Oh, absolutely. They've called it smarketing, which is sales and marketing smushed together.
0: (laughs) That is so much better than growth team. I like it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So they share it. Yeah. Slack channels, uh, email threads, uh, daily huddles. all together so
0: who do you report to then within the company where does your role sit
1: yeah great question um maybe it's a bit unusual maybe not i don't know but i report to the other co-founder cto okay uh jp jp so he um i guess as a technical founder he's kind of in the engineering side
0: and is that because i guess of the product connection right makes sense for you to be reporting into the cto
1: yeah uh i think that's more about product development kind of best practices and then From that vantage point, helping out the experimentation and kind of how we treat the website as a product, it was important for the marketing side and the product to be a cohesive experience. And so coming from the product out, I guess, was the way they wanted to structure it just in the organization.
0: Yeah, I love that. Um, I personally think of the website that I work on for ConvertKit as its own product as well, Um, you know, taking users through a journey in that, making it really usable and all that. Uh, what are the main things that you ask them, like in your marketing design capacity, which is what I want to focus on because this is inside marketing design. So we'll just like focus on that side of your work. Uh, what are the things you're responsible for as the design leader proof in terms of marketing?
1: Sure. So my job description is really one sentence, kind of own the quality. Oh, I love it. So that, that encompasses a lot. Uh, specifically, like how is that measured or how do we kind of gauge that?
0: Yeah, I'd love to hear um, about that.
1: I think we may have a unique perspective on how we handle OKRs and metrics. Okay, tell me about that. It. Sure. Um, or maybe it's not unique. I don't, but we, we share those OKRs. So the product team has a set of goals and we define those from the grassroots from the ground up. So everyone kind of pitches their ideas about what kind of metrics and goals we want to hit. The marketing team has a set of goals. They want to hit and they kind of huddle together and decide like do we want to increase conversions here or do we want this marketing campaign to deliver these results and so we kind of all do this together so it's pretty collaborative um and when we decide those then of it's all shared across the team
0: so you don't end up Which, having um in individual okrs that like relate to those everyone's working on the same like team okrs sounds like
1: we, we don't i mean we have the, you know, these small kind of pockets of teams within the 14 people at Proof, and uh, those are our AKRs. So we, we share them.
0: That is unique. Well, I mean, from what I've heard anyway, that's unique. Um, at that we do OKRs, but we also have our individual ones that talk about how we're going to tie into the team ones. How is your work measured then um, if you don't have individual like metrics or, you know, things that you're going by? Do you have like performance reviews? Is there like formal discussions like that or is it a a lot looser being a small company
1: we have performance reviews twice a year and a lot of that is just done over type form so it's super informal um you know i meet with my manager jp once a week to kind of go over kind of project status things like that we use those longer vision like longer horizon kind of twice a year kind of meetings and one-on-ones to have more career conversations. And that's kind of where we talk about, you know, not just from a one-week focus, but kind of a three to six-month focus. Like what should we go after as an individual um, in design? Because we're a business that operates in increasing conversions and everything's measured, uh, we really do try and and put some, you know, lagging and and leading indicators on pretty much everything. So That makes sense. (laughs) uh, Yeah. So, you know, as a marketing designer, a lot of things that I do – uh, is talk to customers and get out there with, with a lot of research. So I do a lot of generative research. So for example, you know, it's well, part of the rebrand was, um, get into full story and talk to customers. We, we kind of lo- put a low bar on the amount of research I did, but the, the output of that was like, this needs to inform the work that you do and be driven by kind of how our customers and visitors are using the website.
0: That makes sense. So they're all tying together, right? You're not doing research just to check a box and say you've done research. Um, it's feeding into something else. Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about more of the, the things that make up your role because you mentioned, uh, and I wrote it down as soon as you said it, cause I was like, oh, that's interesting. You mentioned giving the head of marketing a writing guide. Uh, so it sounds like you do a lot of things that aren't just design at Proof. Um, and I don't want to get you to sit here and name them all, but can you give me a rough overview of the types of output and the types of work that you do?
1: Oh, sure. Well, I would start by saying that one of the proof core values is be scrappy. Cool. And so I think that means if you see a place to own, if you see something where you want to step up and kind of own that, you have permission to do so. Um, and if you see a gap, then step in and fill it. And so one of the ways that I stepped in examples is writing guide. So we had kind of different punctuation and uses of the word proof and how we talked about ourselves was different kind of everywhere. And I was working on a like style guide slash design system at the time. And I was reading a lot from Jason at intercom and how Shopify does their design system style guide with writing component. And what would that mean to kind of include like language and how to craft sentences and and paragraphs and, and proof. So, it's like, well, I like to write, so let me give this a shot. And I just asked a bunch of my peers and kind of put in, like, here are our principles when it comes to writing, which also kind of stem from our brand pillars and brand principles. And then I kind of gave, much like you would, like a design style guide, like right. do's and don'ts and things like that. Cool. So, yeah, part of that, like, step one is, like, doing it. Um, step two is iterating on it because it's not perfect the, sec- the first time. And then step three was making sure that just kind of was socialized throughout the team and the company. It's like, hey, here's here's how we want to talk about ourselves and just being like a cheerleader for that.
0: Yeah, so. I love that. That's honestly one of my favorite things about being an in-house designer at a small tech company especially is being able to take ownership of stuff like that and it being really encouraged. And, you know, you're not just there to design things. You're there for the rest of your brain too, which I think is really cool. You also mentioned that sometimes you will hand over assets to the head of marketing for them to build pages themselves in Webflow, which is interesting to me. So the head of marketing is doing some design stuff, I guess, as well, which frees you up to focus on perhaps the more challenging projects that need a bit more design thinking.
1: So anything internal, uh, I get involved as needed. So if it's, it's optional for me to get in. So if it's an internal comms, like a a t-shirt or maybe a poster for team offsite yep. as time. I can jump in, you know, if it's externally facing, then it's a collaborative uh, discussion between me, cool. Distal and the founder. So sometimes that could be a landing page that he's working on, or maybe a social media banner where I just opt. He, he'll go in and take the assets and the stock I've provided, and then he'll put something together like first draft. Um, and then I can help kind of come in and art direct and consult and kind of work with him or even kind of he'll hand it back to me and I'll maybe do some cleaning up and then hand it back. So he, yeah, it's at at like a kind of a tier two, like he'll take a first pass and then like maybe a tier one would be something like we're releasing or pushing out a, a case study section to our website. And not only do we need the landing page for our case studies, but we need kind of a template and theme for all of our case studies that we might produce. So something like that, where it's like content strategy, information architecture, you know, general art direction for the whole thing—that's uh, something that I might own. So.
0: so, Webflow is what the marketing site is built on. Then it sounds like
1: it is. Yep. it is. What yeah. other
0: tools are part of your design process at Proof?
1: Yeah, Figma, Figma, Figma—a um, huge Figma advocate. You know, I think we switched to Figma my first week, and then I was getting like random mock-ups from the customer success team, like sending me stuff. And the whole organization like got into Figma within like days. That's great.
0: So, was that a change yeah. that you introduced?
1: Um yeah. So I, I it was kind of a, so new to proof, uh wanted a kind of fresh start. Um, you know, JP CTO was open to it and so like let's do let's do something new here. Heard a lot about Figma and got in. Nice. I think why we why we chose to do it was it was also about where we were as a design culture, like with a capital D. So uh, they had wanted me to come in because of my experience like collaborating across teams with marketing and product, et cetera. So like they wanted me to be comfortable with a tool that enabled a lot of collaboration and Figma did that. So being able to kind of comment, being able to support like files across like multiple departments and stuff. So um, and Figma was a tool for us. So we we uh, we all got in there and um, that's been great. So, you know, I kind of own the, like UIKit kit or like WebKit, and yep. uh, anyone, like if Austin opens up a new file, just poof, it's there. Fonts, colors, everything.
0: Could you imagine, cause it sounds like everything's very collaborative at proof and you know, you, you talked about it starting from the product out and how product and marketing do have really close ties. Could you imagine as the company grows uh, your role kind of being split into and having someone focused on product and someone focused on marketing or will it kind of always, if there's another designer hired, would they, dabble in both as well
1: charlie i think if we were to grow the design like muscle i think we'd probably hire a brand designer Mm -hmm. someone who could really support the marketing side full-time because for two reasons one um we see design and a strong brand personality as a differentiator against some of our Competitors and people in the space that are selling personalization tools. As
0: someone who has tried out several, I can attest to that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I think the other half of that is we do see a link, especially if we have people coming from marketing activities um, and maybe signing up for proof eventually through the website, wink, wink. <laughs> um, if they can get into proof uh, it's directly from the website um, and start a free trial there. So it will be one continuous experience. And I see that again, like being under one roof and making sure that the user experience and the design is consistent across all touch points. So I see that in the future being, um, if someone is if a dedicated designer to the marketing side and maybe dedicated designer to the product side, I think there will still need some oversight over both.
0: Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Cool, it'd be yeah, good to maintain those close ties for sure. Let's talk about the marketing team in general and where you'll focus your efforts. Because uh, I'm, I'm gonna make an assumption that like uh, what we do at ConvertKit, your marketing website is one of the main focuses uh, in terms of uh, you know conversions and, and driving new people to sign up. But what other things mm-hmm. do the marketing team focus on?
1: Yeah, sure. The marketing team uh, does a lot of uh, outbound activities, so the marketing team will get involved in ad spend, um, online advertising, like Google ad Spin, Facebook ad Spin. And are you creating media. assets
0: for those ads? Um, I'd say
1: it's a split. I've created some. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Austin's created others. We also hire freelance writers to so do a lot of blog content. Cool. So occasionally we'll put out the blog post, and that'll need a graphic asset. Um, we don't do a whole lot of print, you know, we're, we're digital marketers. And so, you know, the way we kind of do like lead generation and is through Dave, our CEO will reach out to the other kind of Y Combinator co-founders over Twitter and just kind of DM them or, um, just super informal, you know, AZ, uh, will kind of send, uh, some prospects like a, a little drift video. So it's super, like I said, like really scrappy, uh, really organic kind of like You know, what Dave likes to say is, you know, zigging when everyone else is zagging or something like that. So it's really kind of unorthodox, but, you know, those are kind of things that I'm not involved in, but, you know, those are activities that marketing does.
0: Uh, And what other things do you get involved in on the marketing side then, aside from the odd image here and there and the website? Is there anything else that comes to mind?
1: So we have a, a set of time where we kind of set our OKRs and plan. It's called a blitz. We do blitz planning. So we'll have a goal or a theme for a blitz. It's every six or seven weeks. And those are really fun because um, they're usually pretty cheeky and, you know, silly, kind of witty, clever. And those give me a chance to kind of just go full, like, expression on, just make, like, a really cool poster that's kind of artsy. So we had, like, kickflip was one. It was really great. Kind of got into, like, graffiti style and how skateboarders do kickflips and, you know, the kind of... That kind of street style and imagery and typography there, and that was like our theme for the blitz, and made that. That was really fun. Just like really wild, kind of crazy things that you know you just don't really get to do in your day to day. But those are things I like. I carve out and make time for because it's a nice kind of release, and it's just kind of fun to kind of do design work that's way off the reservation.
0: Yeah, and it's good to flex those creative muscles. I find especially when you're focusing on like user experience and conversion. Um, it's nice to balance that with a bit of like creativity for the sake of creativity <laughs> from time to time. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and it's, and it's for proof, you know, it's not like, I'm, it's yeah. great, I get to go in and make a crazy looking cozy or, you know, I'll make time for that, so.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. Let's get into talking about project work and your process more, because this is like, I'm big nerd, this stuff really interests me. So Let's imagine that you're starting on a new project for the marketing team, maybe it's a landing page for the website or the rebrand or something like that where does that project come from? Is it a brief that's given to you? Is it just like a comment? Someone is like, hey, we need this and you go off and do it. Tell me about how it starts.
1: Yeah, that's a great question, Charlie. Um, so I'll answer it this way. Okay. Our, so our tool experiences kind of gives marketers like Dave and Distal kind of flexibility to make changes and run experiments without engineering and and design sometimes design help my my job is to give dave and distal the kind of framework to run experiments so when they've set something up within proof to make changes to the website they can do all that visually without my help Mm -hmm. so there's that kind of responsibility where it says you know they pull me in and help to kind of craft an experiment not necessarily so much to uh create a graphic or an image or content for that site. And then, you know, the other piece of that is, you know, if it's a longer, more kind of larger product, like, you know, there's a video being made, or if there's a new section of the website, it may start off with like a notion doc. So mm-hmm. we try and set a brief. Um, sometimes I write that and start it out because again, like just making sure that the, the goal is clear. It's like, who are we doing this for? What's the outcome we want to achieve? So I I like to start with writing it down first. So, making sure that everyone's clear. You now, once we kind of have it kind of sketched out like low fidelity, that might be just in words in a Notion doc. It may be like whimsical, so we may like sketch something out kind of just with boxes and arrows. Um, but I'm not jumping straight into Figma design just because Austin and, and Dave and others kind of need to see, it's important to for them to kind of sign off on where the project is going before like getting into doing the visual design. Yeah. Which is kind of a, I, I don't know, actually it's funny. Sometimes that works, but sometimes I find that they kind of need to see it as well.
0: I think that happens sometimes that we we can only get so far with with wireframes and you know plans before like I don't know. Sometimes it just doesn't click until you see it looking more like an actual design. Uh, I've definitely had that happen to me, um, and I. I'll push forward on, I don't know, perhaps ideas that I feel aren't connecting with people. Like people aren't responding quite how I expected, but I was like, but this makes sense to me. And I like, I firmly believe in it. And so I'm going to go the next step and like do a do a design just to show you and get a better sense of what I mean.
1: Yeah, yeah absolutely. I, I feel like it's been, I feel like it depends on the person who's reviewing the work. Definitely. Because um, like I've been in some situations where a high fidelity mock-up kind of scares them like it, it feels done you know what I mean yes like they, I definitely yeah yep and they weren't included yep. so like you know I have to I have to roll that back
0: or that maybe they'll start um commenting on like little nitpicky details where I'm like no no, no this is just a first draft we haven't refined it yet like I purposely right. make my wireframes look kind of shitty so that people won't confuse them for real designs
1: <laughs> right right well, you know there's a couple of tactics like I, I maybe have a a high fidelity mockup, but I don't show it. Mm. I actually have a hi-fi mockup and a wireframe. I'll show you the wireframe first. There you go. <laughs> Preemptively, if you wanna see something a little more polished, I have that and I can send it to you. Like I'm thinking about that. Yep. I'm just not showing it to you yet.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Sounds like the first stage of a project is to get everyone on the same page, which makes sense. Um, you know, that's a good principle in general for anything, not just a design project. Uh, What happens next? Is your design process itself as you're figuring out the high fidelity mockups, very collaborative or do you sort of go away and then present back for feedback? How does that work?
1: Yeah, yeah. I think the asterisk there is things have changed so much with COVID-19. So we've become way more reliant on digital tools like Whimsical and Miro. Um, My preference would be to get around a whiteboard, Mm -hmm. Um, just holding the marker and standing up. Something about that physical activity helps helps get to the decision a little bit quicker. So that would be my preferences. We, we would probably start with just at a high level, like where things go on the page or maybe what the flow is. So a user will go from here to here to here. When we get some agreement on the general kind of structure of the page, I'll, then I can go off and kind of start my work. At that point, what I usually do is I'll have my kind of working Figma file. Um, and again, I think it's kind of good and bad. Like I can go from whiteboard to kind of a mock-up pretty quickly because of the design system and the UI kit yeah. that yeah. we have since it's drag and drop. And so I can have like in my working Figma file, they'll have like a prototype. So I'll make sure I take some time to kind of make a prototype to send to the team. They can just see, it, you know, it does, Figma does a good enough job to kind of show like you can click through this and do things. Again, it kind of makes it more real to the stakeholders. So they kind of get by and understand what my, aims, what my aim and my design decisions are. Yeah. Um, you know, if it's a larger project that requires a bunch of new visual design, I probably would send out a, like a grayscale, like wireframe prototype just to make sure that, you know, the content and we're all on the same page there. Like it, The prototype for me just needs to get us to the next step in the project. Yeah. And so at that point, I'll send it out a link to the prototype. I, you know, again, it's like uh, we'll do things asynchronously over Slack right now. Uh, it, it'd, be, it'd be great to kind of get around um, a laptop or get around uh, in a conference room to kind of talk through it. After leaving comments in Figma or something like that, we might need some clarification or we might hop on a Zoom and I'll walk them through it. So it's just, I think that's just, then that starts to fall into like communication rules. Like if your thread gets too long, just hop on a call. Um, I think that's fair. But, that's a good call. You know, yeah. My, my responsibility there is, I say, you know, what state the product is in. So, just getting started exploring, or you know, this is almost done. It's in polish mode, or something's in between, and then I'll tell them like what kind of feedback I'm looking for. You know, if you have other feedback, then like put it in the parking lot, and we can like follow up later. So, um, I have to send you a link, but the the design team at Mixpanel uh, put out a great like Figma file template for sending feedback asynchronously. And they've cool. got some badges and stuff that really cool. So I've, I've kind of taken that and adopted it. It's really helped uh, just my workflow being, you know, asynchronous all over town and trying to ping work back and forth. So
0: Love that. Yeah. Let's definitely um, get a link to that. And it'll be in the description on YouTube or the show notes if you're listening to the audio version. How does a project end then? Who decides when it's done? Is there like an official sign off process? Uh, yeah. How, how does, how does it end?
1: Oh, Charlie, I'm laughing because it's never done.
0: It? <laughs> Not as an in-house design and nothing's ever finished. But how there do you okay, go. how do you just when to put down this one project then and move on to another one for some time?
1: <laughs> yeah, fair enough. I, I think when I think when it goes live,
0: mm-hmm.
1: that's when I can kind of step back yep. and it, as a team, we can step back and just see the results. And right, before we pick up, of v2 or make changes to it you know we're, we're building these things to again like the principles we're applying to the site like proof is an experiment, experimentation tool so proof runs a lot of experiments and that's just what we do we're going to build pages and run experiments to see what we can learn and find out and so before we even kind of get back to doing any second round we'll see how the results are coming in and then make it. improvements based on behavior so
0: what's the most the most interesting experiment result? Something perhaps that you didn't expect to work as well as it did? Anything like that come to mind?
1: It wasn't necessarily a, a design thing, but we experimented with different conversational tools on the marketing side. And we ran a couple of tools and we ended up running one. And the experiment through a couple of different playbooks and you know A versus B versus C versus D uh, didn't really... Perform as well as just a straight up form on a page. So hmm. that's more holistically is like a user experience experiment, right? That makes, yeah, that say makes that sense. five times fast. But, <laughs> um, yeah, and so we were able to kind of do that through the combination of like our tool proof experiences and and this other you know, widget. The reason why we did that was because proof's brand was we want to be personal, and we are a personalization company. And the extension of being personal is offering like a chat or some kind of conversational tool on the website, right? Um, and that's a brand extension, um, but the, we didn't get the results that we wanted. And so maybe you know what we assumed was like, well, wow, maybe being personal is being easy. Being personal is just having a form that you can do something simple.
0: Yeah, just getting so, out of the way and, and letting the user do what they want makes sense. Yeah, yeah.
1: And so that was that was interesting learning for us.
0: Yeah. Can I tell you quickly about um, a test that we ran once that was a really interesting result for me? Yeah. Um, This was a couple of years ago, like close to when I first joined ConvertKit and um, we were thinking about redoing our homepage. It was like quite long and we sort of had this feeling that it was a little confusing the way that we'd messaged everything on it. Um, We had a a data analyst on the team running tests at the time who had sort of come up against this research. And so we tested just chopping everything off the homepage, just having the header and the footer. So there was just like an image with a headline and a button um, (laughs) and a footer. And um, it performed better than the long homepage with us trying to explain the information and things like that. That was that was a funny moment where I was just like, what am I doing with my life? You know, if all we need to do is put a header, then boom, we're done. Um luckily the story has a happy ending in that then I did do a full redesign of the homepage that we tested against that like short one, and it won out by far. So, you know, it was the the type of content we had on it, not the fact that there was content on it that was the problem, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah. I think that's the advantage of a designer, right? Mm-hmm. We're we're curious and we can tinker. Yeah. And so you know, back to your original question, is it done? You know, we can continue to run, we can continue to try different things like versions of a homepage or how we get people to sign up for free trial proof. Like those things can always be evolved and we can work and because people change, you know, and personas yep. and visitors change their behavior. Absolutely. You know, a, year from, a year from now, they may want to talk to someone over a chat bot, but you know, right now at this very moment, you know, they're more content to kind of fill out a form. So,
0: and that's why we got to keep retesting stuff, right? So that we don't like let our assumptions from a year ago apply to now because things sure. change. So we've talked about the fact that at Proof you obviously measure a lot of things because that's what you're all about. Uh, what are you very close to that data? Like, will you be digging in and investigating it yourself, or is it kind of like a report that someone puts out and like how this is this is how this project done? How close are you to the data?
1: I get pretty close to the data, so I I guess maybe a bit unusual in the sense that I can write a little bit of SQL. I can get into like amplitude or mode or something like that and kind of run a query. Um, I think that just has to do with like my background working with uh, data tools, but yeah, I, thankfully everyone in the company has access to things like Google analytics and amplitude, uh, full story on and on and on. Um, But we can get in there. We're very, we're, we're, we're tooled up. We're instrumented and we can jump in. So, um, if I'm curious, I have kind of the wherewithal to kind of get in, answer some questions myself, but we also have, it's marketing, uh, t- has a dashboard for their key metrics. So they have that up on a big TV that's just kind of in the office.
0: Right, when everyone else is in the office, that is. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> right now it's just the TV by itself, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay, let's talk about some of the, the hardest stuff. So what are some of the main <sighs> obstacles that you face in your role? Like what are some of the challenges that you come across?
1: I think it's still a challenge to try and bridge the gap between what we're doing on the website from a design side and trying to make that jive with what we're doing in the app. So I think there'll always be this tension of like brand expression versus utility. And it needs to, in the flat footedness of the app and it needs to be super usable. And then there's a little more personality and flair on the brand side. So I think that's a challenge when it comes to like colors and like tone of voice I think what I'm learning a lot is content has as much to do with an experiment and things you try on the, on the website as it does the kind of who you're testing it for or you know who you're segmenting who gets to see this experiment um, you know I think where we could grow is I think someone with a, a true like data analytics background would be really helpful because I think that would help just selfishly. That would help me know what changes on a page are affecting behavior. Um, Just another collaborator to kind of help understand like, hey, if we change this sentence and we change this image and separately, this will have this effect. But if we change them at the same time together, it will have this effect. So I think some, some growth there would be Good, that's a challenge. That's a pretty um, good
0: challenge to be having though at the company size that you are because in my experience anyway, and, and people that I've talked to, usually companies don't start thinking about that level of experimenting and testing until they're a lot bigger. Like it's just not top of mind when they're getting started. Um, and it like it doesn't have to be a thing that you wait until you're a big company to do for sure, but obviously the nature of proof that's built into your DNA.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Which I guess would bring me to my third point was the challenges. Our sample size is very limited. We're kind Hmm. of running out of tests to run or not tests to run, but just people to speak with. Um, you know, our web traffic is pretty good, but it's not massive. We can't subdivide that traffic infinitely. You know, we kind of hit a limit of how much traffic we can actually split. So, you know, when you're a small company you're kind of just getting started, Unless you have like you know Airbnb type traffic coming to your website, uh, it kind of limits what you can do, uh, both from a quantitative side and a qualitative side. So,
0: yeah, I've found that with yeah. with ConvertKit as well. There's often tests were run, and we just we just don't get the traffic that we need to be statistically significant because we've like been testing this small like little niche thing on this this page. And you know, it, nowadays we tend to just run tests on our highest traffic pages because we know we're never gonna reach good results on the the less visited ones yeah
1: it's yeah which you know that's a balance right because now now we're back to the brand expression piece and we need to having like a point of view on how this should be as opposed to like proposing a couple or three or four options and just kind of letting the market kind of decide so yeah when it's a balance and i find that just a real challenge is to be you know as a brand designer marketing designer what should we be versus what works.
0: Yeah. And it's always gonna be a balance and at some point you gotta make compromises, right? Or make it make the hard choice. Make the choice that doesn't actually make sense uh, according to the data because you know it's best for the brand. Yeah. Okay, let's end on, on a high and uh, talk about what some of your favorite parts of your job are. What do you love about what you do?
1: Oh, yeah. Um, well, I love talking to users and I love talking to customers. I love just getting feedback from people who actually use the stuff. And it's, it's just a joy and delight to see people interact with the website or design and have them have it change their behavior and have it make a difference in kind of how they're working um, and how they're kind of experiencing proof so yeah it's really, really rewarding that piece. cool yeah
0: love it all right. Well, thank you for being on the show, Brent. Where should people go if they want to follow you online? Is there anything you want to, you want to pitch to the people right now?
1: No, nothing nothing uh, cooking at the moment, but you can definitely hit me up on Twitter, of course, Brent Palmer, um, at Brent Palmer. And you can also ping me at brentpalmer.me. And uh, yeah, useproof.com. Come visit me.
0: That's great. Yeah. Got to get in the pitch for proof in there. <laughs> All right. Thanks for being here, Brent. Thanks, Charlie. Well, I hope you enjoyed listening to that conversation that I had with Brand as much as I enjoyed like doing the actual conversing part. It's really interesting to me and obviously makes perfect sense uh, how their focus as a product, as a company, um, it then applies to their marketing team. Like they're using their own product, right? They're testing things, taking that view of experimentation, which I think is great to see. And you know, probably would have been surprised if I hadn't heard Brent talk about that in this episode. I hope that was interesting for you to hear about, especially if you're at a company that isn't doing a lot of experimenting or testing right now. Um, maybe now that's something you want to try after hearing Brent talk about it in this episode and how uh, it's benefited proof. If you enjoyed this episode, something I'd really appreciate you doing is heading on over to Apple Podcasts and leaving a review for the show. Because, um, in case you didn't know, this is both a video and an audio show. So you can find it on YouTube, on my channel, Charlie Marie TV, or in whatever podcasting app you use, just search for Inside Marketing Design or head to insidemarketingdesign.co to see all of the episodes that have been out so far and uh, there will be more to come. I promise you that. Thanks for being here, thanks for tuning in and I will see you next time for another nerdy deep dive into how marketing design works at another tech company next week.